Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone, as always, it is uh, Sir Alan Niven. Uh, bonjour, Monsieur Niven. How are you? I am good. I hope you had an excellent holiday. I did, though, of course, I'm not on holiday, technically, because I'm always doing these shows. I'm, I'm recording videos. I'm recording interviews. I, I, I need to take a break, but uh, eh, we, we, we love it. And that's why we're here today, because... We've got George Lynch on the phone, and I know, I know that George is uh, everybody's favorite guitarist. Everybody loves George. He's he's a he's a a worker bee as well. He's on a million projects, just like I'm on a million interviews. So you know. Um, well, if we if we're going to talk about guitarists, and it is it's a, it's such a weird thing, and it's becoming so regular because we're all in the mortal zone. Um, we have to acknowledge the passing of somebody yet again and go through that thing of thinking about them personally, thinking about their family, but also thinking about our own mortality. But I want to just take a moment to acknowledge Leslie West, who on Nantucket Sleigh Ride Live produced one of the most sublime pieces of rock and roll guitar playing ever. I adore that track. I have played it a million times. I've tried to play with it 500,000 times. And it's just a fabulous piece of rock and roll guitar. And therein is Leslie's immortality. Absolutely. Uh, Leslie is what was terrific. And what folks don't realize is that uh, about two weeks before he passed, you and I had been on with his publicist trying to get a, an interview, and we were actually in the process of getting one booked uh, because y- y- you got to talk to Leslie. You know, he's he's one of those. And uh, I've got a Michael Schenker interview coming up on uh, January 6th, which was recorded at the uh, beginning of December, but the record company said, or the publicist said, it's on uh, embargo. You cannot run it until January 6th. But uh, Michael Schenker released a statement on Leslie's death. And I'm just going to take a second to read it. He said, uh, never too late to say goodbye to a legend. My dear Leslie West, you were my hero. What you did with your lead guitar playing was out of this world. And you were the kindest man I have known. Such a lovely character with so much love. I am so sad that you are gone, but I know that you are in a better place now. Enjoy heaven and keep me with you in spirit. I am looking forward to meet you again, to meeting you, I guess he's trying to say, when my time comes. We will make heavenly music together. See you then. I will never forget you, my hero. I am your little brother. Thank you for what you have done for me. Rest in peace, my dearest friend. Um, sorry, all my love to you and all my condolences to your loved ones. From the depth of my heart, I will always love you. Signed, Michael Schenker. There you go. How how is that for a for a letter? You you cannot follow that in any way, shape, or form. That was beautifully ex- expressed, and I wholeheartedly agree with all the sentiments. So. Let's go and see what George has got to say. Yeah, let's just get right over to George Lynch uh, without any further ado. Uh, folks, they've got a new album out with uh, Jeff Pilson, uh, Jeff Pilson called Heavy Hitters. They cover Shaka Khan, Duran Duran, and others. 
Here is the one and only guitarist, George Lynch. We are speaking with the guitarist, George Lynch. The new album is Heavy Hitters, featuring, of course, George and Jeff Pilsen. Uh, George, as we say in Montreal, bonjour, monsieur. How are you? Bonjour. That sounds French. It is. Well, you know, we speak French in Montreal. So. I think just rename the country West France. <laughs> well, yeah, we sort of are. We are kind of West of France, but, you know. Might upset a few people yeah. over here, but West West France, yeah, it's Mitch from West or West France, no, but but from Montreal. But uh, Heavy Hitters is the uh, the new album out by a Deadline. Uh, talk to me about this concept because I, I, you know, I heard about it uh, a few months ago, and they said, oh, there's a there's a, a new collaboration with Jeff and George. It's a, it's going to be a tribute album, or they're going to play some of their favorite songs. And I went, great, it's going to be Ozzy and Dio and Kiss and whatever. And then you get it, and it's. Duran Duran and it's Madonna and it's Timbaland and I got to say the I'm a big fan of Duran Duran I, I I'm unabashedly a big fan of great pop and the uh, the ordinary world cover is fantastic I mean uh, you know whatever screw the haters I think it's fantastic um, yeah there, there's gonna there's gonna be those anyways no matter what you do and yeah, uh, I feel bad about that I've read I've read, uh, I've read some you know marginal reviews and. And good ones as well, like you always do. But, um, you know, I try to take the good ones seriously and, and marginalize the other ones. But, the, uh, the you know, um, you know, it, I, I, it's it's tricky when you're doing covers because I, 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 there's so many different ways you could approach it. I mean, that, that potentially you could, you know, you can do things to the songs where they're almost rec- unrecognizable. I imagine, and 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 I think that would probably be make the critics really happy, um, you know. But we weren't writing the album or recording the album to try to prove that we were geniuses. We were just trying to play them the way we would play them if we were in a cover band. And for instance, like um, you know, back in the mid late uh, late seventies. We used to do a lot of shows with with uh, Van Halen. Oh, they were called Mammoth back then, and, and early Van Halen. And half their set, if not more, was covers. But they played it in their style, and it was awesome. You know, it was like sometimes better than the original. You know, you're like, holy shit, Eddie on guitar playing whatever. You know, whatever huh. they were playing. He was doing Kiss. And, they were uh, doing Kiss covers back in the day, which was like, whoa, look at oh, this. ZZ Top and and Montrose and. Uh, uh, you know, it's just everything, you know, I mean, they were just, they were awesome. I mean, and that, you know, they, they couldn't play, they made everything sound amazing. So, you know, to a lesser extent, that's what Jeff and I were trying to do. Um, not reinvent the box or the, or anything, just, just add our style to it. That's all, you know, not reinvent the wheel. And, um, you know, um, uh, and I think, arguably, you know, we've had some hits and misses on the record. I mean, it, it, there's some things that just, you just don't know until you go there uh, how it's going to pan out. Um, sorry, I, can, can you give me one second to ask this gentleman to stop with his uh, blow dryer thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No worries at all. Um, let, me, let me just get back to, to the album in a sec, because, you know, growing up for me, 
uh, growing up in the 80s, when, when we had MTV and we had much music in Canada and we didn't have remote controls, you had to stand up and change the channel. I, I would sit and watch much music up here and Madonna would come on and, and, and Shaka Khan would come on and and I would just be like, I'll just wait the three minutes for the next video. And I found that that, that made a great difference for me in terms of my musical knowledge because now I love all these bands. You know, you, you think back to that stuff and Billy Ocean and, and you just go, wow, these are great, great songs. H how did you choose these songs? Were, were these songs that you heard on the road or heard on the radio and just went, wow, that's a great stuff? Or did you sit down with Jeff and go, all right, let's find some songs that'll be fun to cover? And I mean, uh, were they randomly chosen or are they? do they have meaning to you? Well, some of the songs are songs that Jeff and I have been living with for decades and have been points of inspiration for us. And we've talked about doing songs, you know, learning from these arrangements and trying to write songs based on the lessons we've learned from them or redoing them or we've jammed them live or things like that. So yeah, Rufus is a, is a band like that. Little Richard Lucille, you know, that falls into that category. And then other songs are just uh, like uh, Imaginary World or, um, you know, the Madonna song are just songs that like yourself, I appreciate uh, the pop sensibilities and the arrangements uh, and the art that goes into it. Um, just as standalone, you know, great songs that, uh, that I love listening to and had fun, um, you know, recreating. Let me ask you about, about your musical sort of, uh, I don't want to call it baggage, but your musical history in the sense that you've done a lot of projects. You, you've done The Mob, you've done Doc, and you've done KMX, Sweet Lynch, and Ultraphonics. Uh, you've always seemed to me as somebody who's been willing to stretch the boundaries and not just be the heavy metal guy and the heavy metal guitarist, the, you know, uh, how important is it for you as an artist to go explore these different avenues and explore different music and, and not say to your fans, I'm a one trick pony who can only do Dawkins songs. I'm a multi-layered guy who can do anything. Um, well, I, you know, I don't do outside projects or any project for that reason. That's not my inspiration is to prove anything um, as far as my uh, ability to go work outside the box. But um, you know, I've thought about that all, all, I'm sure all my contemporaries have too, or most of us have thought about the idea of, well, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's reinvent ourselves in all kinds of genres and prove that we're, uh, you know, um, you know, we, we can master all, you know, the blues and, 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 and pure jazz and classical and country, you know what I'm saying? So I haven't done that. You know, I, everything I've done is in the rock world you know it's just just little different flavors i would say uh, so um so for instance i'm i'm just finishing up a record uh now uh and the project is called the banishment and it's industrial-esque i'd like to say uh, it's not really pure industrial it's not ministry but it's it's kind of in that vein because i really enjoy that kind of music um and uh, have felt that there's been like maybe a little bit of hole in that genre where there hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, guitar that I can listen to that I go, wow, you know, that's, I'm getting off on that, you know, that's really adding a lot. 
you know. So, you know, I felt like I could do something more with an industrial style sound than I've heard done before on those kind of records, you know. Um, and that's the reason I took up that project. You know, whether I was successful at it, I don't know. We'll see, but um, see what people think. But um, yeah. who's the banishment you know, with? Is it just you? Is it uh, are there name players in there other than you? What is exactly the banishment? Oh, oh the, the, the banishment is uh, we've been working on it for seven years. And when I say oh, wow. we, is basically the two of us. It's um, a gentleman named Hayes, who's a programmer, uh, co writer, engineer you know, keyboards, uh, he plays the machines. And, um, and then, uh, we were working with, uh, uh, Tommy Victor from prong for a while. He, he sang on two songs and uh, now we have a, uh, a singer, his name is Devix D E V I X. And, uh, he's fantastic. And he comes from that ministry camp. And, um, so we're just, as I said, finishing it up. So no, there's not any, what you would say, quote unquote, big names in there, but great great you know uh i mean great company these guys are really heavy and you know are masters at what they do and it's just oh it is very different from what i'm, I'm used to doing so exciting for me yeah, it sounds exciting to, to me too so let me ask you about this because so many bands especially from you know the 80s and 90s they go out and tour and they do their 15 greatest hits and they do you know uh, the rock and roll road show 15 times over you know you're not one to do that you like to make new music you like to 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 push the envelope why is making new music so important for you why not just go do you know hire a couple of guys and go do uh, dock and point 2.0 and and do the 15 big hits and uh, you know, why is it important for you to keep moving forward and not just rely on what was what was 30 years ago? Well, in, in a sense, you know, music that's three and a half decades old can have a certain deadness to it, um, especially after repeated playings and listenings uh, for both myself and for the you know the fans. And, you know, how many times can you listen to a band play the same song? I mean, how many times do you want to go to a concert and see, I mean, unless you're an ultra hardcore fan, you know, I mean, it's just, it doesn't really repair. Uh, it just doesn't uh, hold up to repeated listenings. I mean, you, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that it's healthier for everybody involved to have the music come from a place of immediacy, you know, uh, something relevant to where we are now. Self-included, you know, of, of creating something or composing something or performing something. And for the listener who's watching, sort of, it's kind of sad to watch something that's dead. I mean, you know, <laughs> even when you, and I, I know that sounds harsh, but, and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't 100% feel that way. Obviously, I love to go see legacy bands and classic rock bands, you know, the stones or something, you know, I mean, that's, that's wonderful and hugely important and, and fun and everything. But I'm just saying from my point of view, I don't, I'm not at that level. I'm not that level of an artist where I've had these massive historically significant hits. So, you know, I don't really have much to lose. <laughs> I'm not a, uh, I'm not a slave to my, my back catalog, so to speak. Uh, literally down the street from me lives Frank Marino, and, and I've I've been over to his house, and I've sat and, and chatted with him. 
you've always considered Frank to be a uh, a person to look up to or, or that you respect or influential, if you want. Um, what was it about sort of our local Canadian boy, Frank Marino, that, that caught your eye and you went, wow, Mahogany Rush, bro. What was, what, what was it about his playing that you just went, yeah, I'm in? Yeah, I mean, even though Frank was sort of labeled with that Hendrix moniker, I, I didn't. And, and obviously he was highly influenced by Hendrix, as we all were. And, you know, and there was elements of his, his sound and, and style and songwriting that were definitely, um, he was pulling from that. But he had another thing, you know, it was just the, it was almost like a Johnny Winter thing. You know, he had that blues-based, pentatonic, fiery rock, 70s, SG, through a bunch of stacks of marshals, and he had insane tone. And he was just... Um, very exciting to listen to, you know, and really like, um, I think when I was listening to him in the seventies, I think he was, uh, technically kind of on the leading edge, you know, he was faster than most guys and he was clean. His playing was very clean. Um, and, uh, I actually went to see him in San Francisco at, um, uh, what was the venue back then? It's the venue that Hendrix played, uh, uh Fillmore band of gypsy. The Fillmore West, yeah, right. Fillmore East. Yeah, he played the Fillmore West. I, I saw him open up for Queen, who were insane. There's a bill a for you. Attack. Wow, that's yeah. a bill for you. And okay. I spoke, him, I spoke to him about that show. Uh, I had a, I called him on the phone for some reason. I, I did. I was working on a tribute record, a Frank Marino tribute record. And I had some questions for him. So we talked for a little bit, and I, I just mentioned that show that I'd seen that show and uh, he just started, he remembered it like it had just happened. And he started telling me details about his grievances with opening for queen and that particular show would have happened. And he didn't have sound check and he had no lights and the sound was all screwed up. And, you know, and I sensed that when I was watching him because I listened to him a lot. And when I saw him live, I was like, I don't think he's having a great time up there. And so, um, Anyways, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and obviously Zach Wilde is a, is a, is a, is a huge fan and has incorporated his style and admittedly so incorporated, uh, Frank style into playing. Um, oh, oh, he absolutely has. And, yeah. uh, it, it's funny you mention it cause the, uh, the last time that, uh, Zach was in town, uh, on the, on the bus, Frank showed up and, and Zach gave, uh, Frank one of his guitars and it was just like, wow, okay, look at that. Uh, that was that was a, 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 a touching moment, you know. Zach gave Frank a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of those touching moments. He gave him his like signature guitar, so I was like, "Wow, that's kind of cool," you know. Everybody, everybody loves Frank. Um, and then, or just before we run out of time, let me just get back to it to heavy hitters. You have done many projects over the years with Jeff. Um, talk to me a little bit about Jeff and, and what he means to you. Because you, every time you guys collaborate, something magical comes out of it. Something great comes out of it. Um, what is, what, I'll just ask you, what does Jeff mean to you? Uh, so, okay, you missed the last part of your... The last part of the premise? Uh, well, just what does Jeff Pilsen mean to you? Because you you guys together, you, you work out... So I mean, you listen to what you're doing on the dock and stuff, and it's ma magical. You listen to TN, TNN, uh, Lynch Pilsen. You, you listen to that stuff. And, and 
just you two together, yeah. there's 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 some kind of, I mean, there's a chemistry you you can't deny it. So so what does he mean to you, Jeff? Well, you know, when he uh, when he and I used to work together in Doc, and we had a, uh, you know, we we had a, a special chemistry that we recognized, and we just tried to maintain that over the decades, you know, and and um, you know, it's just kind of a bigger thing than Doc, and it was just kind of a thing that happened when we got together, uh, and a lot of mutual respect there, and complementary skill sets, and uh, and uh, although I have to admit, Jeff's carrying uh, most of the water uh, as far as the skill sets are concerned, you know, because I, you know, I kind of do one thing or two things. <laughs> he does everything else, you know, and always has. You know, the important uh, to the uh, the, uh, I'd say, uh, of all the people, if you could just uh, point a finger to one person who had the, you know, you could uh, give most credit to for um, Dawkins' success as a DJ. You know, this is, uh, but, uh, you know, he's also very humble and very modest and very hardworking, and very positive, and, you know, just a positive, happy, smart person. And, uh, and that's really refreshing. That's really important to have those qualities when you're working long hours together and, you know, and being partners because, you know, partnerships can tend to go sideways if you're not careful. Um, so I've always had tremendous respect for him. Number one is a human being and, and a friend. And secondly, is a, a, just a fantastic musician. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic musician. Now, uh, and I'll, I'll end, uh, I'll end on this uh, heavy hitters. Is this, one of many collaborations you're going to do with Jeff where you're going to go through different genres and, you know, the next one will be the D.O.'s and the Sabbath stuff, or is this a sort of a one-off and it was nice to get it out of your chest and we're done? Uh, we would like to continue on with the series. Uh, what we have, we are, we are, have proposed to uh, Deadline is that um, we do a, um, you know, almost like a box set, you know, a series of these so um, they're considering it, and um, what we would do is is uh, potentially, um, and this hasn't been set in stone, but our, our, our initial idea was that we would do a whole album per decade, and that would give us more freedom to really, you know, go down and do some deep tracks and have fun with it and get a little more creative with the uh, selection of songs and so forth. Um but that, you know, remains to be seen whether that'll happen. And uh, it's probably a little bit of a, uh, a Hail Mary, but, uh, you know, we're keeping our options open. Um, and we just did finish up and deliver uh, another record called The End Machine, too. So that just, I know we were going to talk about every project I'm involved in, but, you know, that's Jeff and I as well. Wait, so is that is that The End Machine number two? Because you did, you did the one uh, last year. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, I... yeah, yeah. We just we just finished it, delivered it. Robert Mason on vocals, and uh, uh, instead of Mick Brown, Mick Brown retired. Uh, we're using his brother Steve Brown, who's fantastic, a little bit younger than Mick, but same style. And um, uh, it came out fantastic. I think it's a better record than the first one. Oh wow! A little, little more song oriented, a uh, little, little more Dokken-esque, I would say, but really, really. Um, Oh, that's uh, terrific really news. You know, the, the End Machine, and I'll say this uh, this straight up, was one of the best albums of 2019. I mean, it, it was a, a top five best of 
album for two, for 2019. So when does End Machine 2, for the lack of a better word, come out? Do we know? Do we have a, a plan? Uh, you know, they did tell us, but I, I, I just off the top of my head, I can't remember. I think it's... Um, well, how about this? Yeah, first quarter, second quarter. I mean, are we talking so late spring? Wow, that's second, great. Second oh. quarter. Second oh. quarter, yeah. Oh, that's great. And and Steve is, is taking over for Mick. And I mean, uh, Mick has been, uh, I, I don't think he's been vocal about it, but I, I think he, we, we know that he's had some back issues and stuff. And, and so now he's just sitting in Arizona enjoying the enjoying his time off, which, you know, after all these years, well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> well-deserved, you know. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, he has no obligation to you know, to anyone except himself and, and, you know, his immediate. So I, I, I respect him for that. That's a hard thing to do because, you know, you may feel like you're letting people down, you know, fans, bandmates, all that sort of thing. But, you know, is and drumming is not an easy thing to do, especially when you're like Mick and you're, you're hitting really hard. And, um, you know, it leads also can tend to lead to a unhealthy lifestyle and traveling certainly will beat you up, especially when you get older. So all those things, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, feel somewhat the same way uh, to a lesser extent myself with the, you know, this pandemic that we're dealing with and the, um, you know, the cessation of all touring. I don't really miss it. You know, I mean, I'm sure I want to go out and play live, but I'm not willing to risk my health for it and and anybody else's health, you know, the fans' health. So um, I'm good with it. Um, As long as you can still create music. I mean, in Mick's case, I think he, you know, he did a full, hard retirement like he sold all his drums and he doesn't play drums he's not a drummer anymore you know oh. that's crazy to me but, uh, no but listen uh, it's it's funny I, I had this conversation with uli john roth the other day and i said hey i have a pandemic and he's like he's like no this has been the greatest moment i've had a year to rediscover friends and family i've i've been making more music than i've made in the last 10 years he goes this has been great for me so you know yeah 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 i mean i think it's very important i think i I saw this on something yesterday on watching something but you know uh, someone talking about um really just you know spinning the positives about this as much as possible because it's so easy to get bogged down with the uh you know psychologically and just uh, mentally with the with the negatives which are obvious um and understandable but uh you know i think if uh you know, if there's something you can do to stay occupied, that's what you need to do and safe. That's, that's all we can really do. And so I, I've done that as much as possible, to, you know, and as you, as you said, Julie said, you know, I think we're all kind of in the same boat. We're all being hyper creative because there isn't much else. to do. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of incredible guitar players uh, coming out uh, at the end of this, uh, when this thing all comes to, uh, you know, a safe landing. Because we've all been in our homes and our studios and whatnot, uh, woodshedding and playing our guitars. So uh, I, I agree. Listen, my my dog has never been happier because I'm home all the time. And uh, oh, there, there, yeah. So 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 there's a positive for him. And uh, speaking of great new music and guitarist, um, one of your influences, Michael Shanker, has an album coming out in January, January 29th, which I've heard. And it's fucking fantastic. And he spent all summer doing it. So, you know, uh, when this ends, there's just going to be an incredible amount of just really genuine, heartfelt, you know, uh, 
well put together music coming out, and I, I'm looking forward to it. So I don't want this pandemic yeah. to keep going, but I, I think from the creative point of view, when concerts start up again, everybody's going to be in like in a state of euphoria. The artist and and the um, and the viewer or the the fan. And musically, you know, when when you hear Uli John Ross sing, he's never been more creative. When you hear this Michael Schenker that's going to come out, when you hear your project, an end machine, you're just going to be like, yep, okay, we, 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 we sacrificed, but look at the results. So, you know. There's always some some goodness in everything, so that's what I'll choose to focus on. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I, I uh, well, I, listen, man, I appreciate you yeah. taking the time. To Absolutely. Run. You can and, talk to me, and uh, once again, and I know we have talked before, and we'll probably talk we'll, again. Well, yeah, when uh, the end machine comes out, we'll probably do another one. But George, always, always a pleasure, as we say in Montreal. Merci beaucoup, and uh, yeah, be safe, be uh, be smart, and uh, keep rocking. All right, buddy. Thank you. Talk Cheers. Bye bye.